Hey, hey, welcome back to the Diet Riot Podcast. I'm Alyssa Miller. I'm Brooke Miller. Both dietitians. Both moms. Both live in Colorado. Okay, guys, this is a big (laughs) deal in this episode today. I'm doing great. We are touching on some, you know, something that a lot of people move to Colorado for. Specifically, we are getting a huge influx of people here in Colorado. They're driving our housing prices up. Yep. All because of marijuana marijuana <laughs> weed ganja ganja we ran out of ways to say it thc yes All anyway guys we have an expert here expert who dietitian. knows yes she knows more than we do about weed and <laughs> <laughs> we're super excited to learn from her and so we're just gonna pass it on over to her she can introduce herself how she got into this um and how it ties in with nutrition and then we're gonna kind of dive into like cancer and some other topics Perfect. Hi, everybody. I'm super excited to be here. Also, probably going to be moving to Colorado sometime soon. Yeah. (laughs) I live in New York. It's not legal here in New York. So like Colorado is just, it's everything. Um, But for those of you who don't know me, my name is Emily Kyle. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist first and a certified holistic cannabis practitioner second. Um, I really have kind of opened my entire career up to just cannabis counseling and cannabis education right now. So I work with clients one-on-one who are looking to safely and responsibly incorporate cannabis into their lifestyle. They also work with healthcare professionals who are looking to understand cannabis in a way that they can articulate and talk about it with their patients in a safe and responsible way. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much. I'm, uh, I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have you. I love that you've like, I feel like you've kind of like cornered the market in this as like a dietitian. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like you're kind of like pioneering it? No, I definitely don't. There have been some really amazing dietitians who have paved the way. Um, When I went through the Holistic Cannabis Academy, it's actually founded by two registered dietitian nutritionists. Oh, really? And then um, at Fancy three years ago, I saw Janice Abisek speak. She's like the godfather, I feel like, of cannabis and dietetics. And she's been a huge inspiration, um, Bonnie Johnson. So I definitely might be like the loudest one on Instagram, but definitely (laughs) not the first one. Well, that's where I hang out. So I feel like I've seen you all over the place and love like your content and your information and just find it super interesting and just like kind of taking away some of the stigma. Um, Brooke and I are, you know, we already talked about we're in Colorado. So we definitely have like a leg up, I feel like in the nation of like the destigmatizing of like using marijuana or um, just using it recreationally or definitely medicinally. So um, I guess maybe let's start there and maybe can you talk us Uh, Talk to us a little bit about the differences of like, because in New York State, you said it's illegal there recreationally or medicinally as well? We do have a medical program, but currently illegal recreationally. Okay, got it. That's so weird. Now, like when I go to another state, I'm like, wait, you can't do it here. Also, side note, Alyssa and I were just in Jamaica (laughs) together (laughs) and they kept offering us weed and we're like, we're we, from we live in Colorado. Like we it's can actually get here. it cheaper at home. We can get it cheaper and know where it's coming from, totally, from yeah. a dispensary versus like buying it off the street from some guy who 
I don't know. It was just funny. We're like, we live in Colorado. It's legal there. And they were surprised. They were really funny because as soon as we said Colorado, they were like, oh, Oh. man, like they kind of like got bummed. And then they were like, well, how about cocaine? No, next step. Next next step. No, thank you. No, thank you. Do you think like people who live in Colorado don't realize how lucky Colorado, California, Washington, really the pioneer states don't really realize how lucky that they are? Um, Even today, I was talking with a client on the phone who says that um, cannabis helped her immensely with her migraines and her autoimmune conditions, but she lives in West Virginia, which has no medical program. No medical, no recreational, no nothing. And just blows my mind how in Colorado you can freely access your medicine recreationally or for medical purposes, where over here you can't get it at all no matter what your medical condition is. It's really, really sad, honestly. It makes me feel awful for people who need it. Yeah, well, and the weird thing is, too, like even though it's legal here, um, most companies still drug test. So we can still not get hired if it's in our system, even though we live in Colorado and it's legal. So that is one thing that I think people don't realize. They think I'll just move to Colorado and like they won't drug test me. And most companies, like our company, the company I work for right now, they're a nationwide company. So they don't care that I live in Colorado. Like I still got drug tested before I moved here, Mm -hmm. which was fine. But um, I think that's a misconception is people just assume that just because it's legal that any company is a, is fine with you doing it. And that's something yeah. to keep in mind too. And I mean, realistically, it's still federally illegal. Like I know we mm-hmm. don't think about it that way, right. but it's still is federally illegal. And with our current administration, we do still run a big risk of things not necessarily continuing to go the way we want it to go in terms of legalization. Um, one thing I'm really big about too, is I don't think that cannabis should be legalized. I think cannabis should be decriminalized. I, I, I think that when we say we're legalizing it, we're admitting that there was something wrong with it to begin with. When I truly believe it should be decriminalized, it should have never been illegal to begin with. There's a huge social justice component of um, the cannabis legalization movement and a lot of people disproportionately affected by the war on drugs. And it's, it's just a sensitive subject, but I hope you guys know how lucky you are to be in Colorado and have access to safe, safe products because that's the biggest issue out here Mm -hmm. in new york state and other states without these people are still going to do it they're still going to access it but they don't have the guarantee that it came from somewhere safe yeah i think like i feel so much more comfortable like i've gone i just went to a dispensary recently with um a friend who has stage four cancer and um it was just we learned so much going in there because it's like I've never used the products for cancer treatment. And so just just going in there and having somebody who's knowledgeable explain like this is why we use it for this type of cancer. or This is why I would recommend like a product that you put on, you know, like a lotion versus smoking it. And, you know, they went into so much detail. And I think it's so interesting because people just think, oh, you just smoke weed and get high. But it's like there's so much more to it. There's so many ways to consume it. Um, And going to a dispensary is a safe way to get it. And also, like Colorado, we've made so much money on it Mm -hmm. with taxes, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it goes back to the schools. Yeah. So if you think about it, like people are going to be doing it anyway. So it's like, why not tax it and actually like put that money to schools or a good use and, and then people are getting it in a safe way versus on the streets when it could be mixed with something else. So that's my two cents. Exactly. <laughs> I know so a, little a about like the regulation and everything. Mm-hmm. Like as far as that goes, I have heard like both ways where it's like it's taxed and then put back into the schools. But a lot of people in the school systems are like, 
where is it going? Because I haven't seen mm-hmm. that money. Like, I don't know. So it's been interesting. And our economy here in Colorado is booming because of it. I mean, a ton of people are mm-hmm. moving here specifically for it, which is good and bad. Like, I'm happy to, like, right. open. And it's not even my state. I'm not a native myself. But it's like, I'm happy that people are coming here and, like, boosting our economy. And, and it's a ton of jobs. It's become a huge hub for technology with both of our husbands working technology. So that's been really cool to see that go up. Um, but then the living costs and expenses are going way high. And then if people are coming here, yeah, for the access to the cannabis, it's then the prices here of cannabis have gotten really high. So it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, now we we start to actually almost restrict access to people who need it for medical reasons because the cost is going up. So it's, you know, obviously economics are involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what a lot of states who are now allowing recreational or ended up doing so. I'm going to Michigan soon, and I was like, ooh, I can't wait to get some stuff when I'm in Michigan. Well, they're only currently selling two medical patients because they don't have enough to go around to have enough for their recreational patients as well. And I'm glad that they're giving it to the medical patients first, but it's just interesting because in other states, there is a surplus of cannabis. It's just how the government wants to dole it out. Hmm. Government's got too much. Too much to do with all of this. Totally. I agree with that for sure. Less government. Well, and it's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting too that like with a medical card in Colorado, you can get more than somebody who is just a Colorado resident. And I think that Mm -hmm. if you're not a Colorado, Colorado resident and you come here, I think you can still purchase it, but you can't like somebody from a like if you came to visit you could still purchase but i think Alyssa and i could purchase more more than you yeah. and then somebody yeah. with a medical card could even purchase more so it is interesting yeah. to see that but i'm glad that gosh i just hope medically at least it passes for everybody in every state because yeah it really breaks my heart i mean there are so many people who benefit from cannabis recreationally but on a medicinal level it's unbelievable how many people say that And, you know, because there is so many different ways to use cannabis, it takes people a long time to figure out what is the perfect way for them. But once they find it, they deserve to have that. It Mm. just, it breaks my heart for people who just don't have safe access to the product. Okay. So, yeah. So during this um, interview, I kind of wanted to talk about, I'm definitely really interested in CBD oil. Um, So I want to talk about that as well. And then also cannabis. So I'm thinking maybe let's split it up if that makes sense to you and talk about cannabis first. Um, so with cannabis, how do you use that in your practice as far as like, when do you recommend it under what circumstances, or is it like a blanket statement for everybody or, you know, how do you go about using it in your practice? And can you explain what it is too, in case somebody doesn't know, (laughs) just in case. So cannabis is the mother plant. It is the overarching term. So cannabis is a plant, a flowering plant. You've probably seen it before. There's three recognized species. So there's cannabis sativa, cannabis indica, and then cannabis rudialis. Um, The rudialis is more of the fiber and grain type hemp that is is allowed to be grown here in New York State. Whereas sativas and indicas may or may not have the um, very high amounts of THC that we differentiate. So according to the federal law, the only difference between hemp and marijuana is the THC content. So if the plant, whether it's a cannabis sativa plant or a cannabis indica plant, contains less than 0.3% THC, that is officially considered hemp. If it contains anything more than 0.3% THC, it is considered marijuana. Now, technically, hemp and marijuana are just two made-up words by the government. It's still all cannabis, and they're just focusing on this one single compound that they know of at this point. So it's kind of abstract okay. in, in a way. 
I did not know that. So what's that magical like 0.3% or where does that come from? um, (laughs) A researcher, Raphael, I can't imagine his last name, a very prominent um, researcher, I believe from Israel, a lot of research comes out of Israel because obviously United States doesn't allow for it. Um, And he had been tasked with making a recommendation. And to this day, he still says he wish he never picked 0.3% as that number. Um, There's actually a lot of um, legislation going on right now to actually try and change that number up to at least 1.1% because Mm. 0.3% is just a made-up number by this one guy, and and that's the cutoff. That's the difference between going to jail and not going to jail for a lot of people. Wow. That's crazy. Crazy. That's just totally arbitrary, basically. Yes. Exactly. And then, you know, new science coming out, they recently said, we think we found this cannabinoid THCP that is 30 times more potent than THC. And here we are spending all of our time just focusing on this THC compound when there could be more compounds that have more to do with psychoactivity. But here we are at that 0.3% bite day in and day out. Okay. Okay. And so with the cannabis that you do recommend in your practice, when you're seeing nutrition clients and you're counseling them on nutrition, how do you use the cannabis aspect as far as helping them along their nutrition journey? Yeah. So I focus on um, clients with autoimmune and inflammatory conditions. And so those with autoimmune conditions, they're typically driven by inflammation. So our nutrition focus is to use the diet to reduce the inflammation in the body. So I do MRT food sensitivity testing when appropriate. I also do um, the autoimmune paleo protocol for people. So it depends. Obviously, we all know nutrition is so individualized. It's like 10 times more individualized when it comes to cannabis. So with my clients, we do nutrition protocols first to see where our results lie and then layer in our cannabis. And that gives us a really clear picture of, okay, is it the nutrition interventions that are working or is it the cannabis interventions that are Hmm. working and really what is the biggest, um, you really need both to be honest. Most people need a combination of nutrition and cannabis to feel ultimately their best. Um, but just like nutrition, it is so individualized and different for every single person. Like in how, in how their body responds to the cannabis, right? Yes. So like all three of us right now could take 10 milligrams of CBD and we'd all feel probably the same, not too much. But if we all put 10 milligrams of THC right now, we would feel all completely different. And I probably have a higher tolerance. But what it comes down to is our endocannabinoid system. So in, in terms of science and cannabis and why cannabis works in the body, because our bodies have an endocannabinoid system, just like our digestive system or our immune system, um, we're not taught it in school, but it exists. It's a very real thing. It is comprised of CB1 and CB2 receptors in the body. So CB1 receptors are on our brain and central nervous system, and our CB2 receptors are in all of our peripheral tissues. So so our bodies make cannabinoids, our endogenous cannabinoids, anandamide and 2-AG, but then our bodies also work with exogenous cannabinoids, which is why when we have CBD or THC, our bodies interact with it, but that's also why everybody responds completely different. Well, that's yeah. so interesting. Well, I didn't know that. It's also interesting because like, if you take um, cannabis in different ways, it also affects you differently, or at least, yeah. I don't know. 
<laughs> Brooke's not no, talking from yeah. experience or anything. People we'll just like don't sm- understand yes. the difference between Smoking. edibles, yes, and, and anything else. And I'm really yes. big into education because this is where people can get absolutely in trouble. So I um, write for this magazine called CRX Magazine. It's a cannabis for healthcare professional magazine. So I've actually recently been like deep into the research on this. So in our bodies, when we orally consume THC, it goes through our liver through what is known as the hepatic first half metabolism. For four out of five people, almost everybody, one out of five does not experience this. So you might have a friend who's like, I've tried edibles and they don't touch me. It's very true. For the four out of five people, the THC gets metabolized in the liver and converted into this other metabolite. It's like THCOO. 11 hydroxy, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it creates a hallucinogenic effect for people and it can be absolutely magnified. So that's why you hear these stories of people going to Colorado and getting a brownie and ending <laughs> up in the emergency room totally. is because no one warns them. And then on top of that, when you're orally consuming cannabis, it has a delayed onset of anywhere between one to three hours. So you mm-hmm. take the first bite, you're like, eh, nothing happened, I'll eat the whole thing. That's what happens. And then when you orally consume it it can last anywhere between six to 12 hours depending on the oh person gosh. so edibles are like a whole nother beast i i tell people like it, it's just its own animal but it comes down to education because how would people know that otherwise yeah well and i think that you know the most common things is like yeah exactly people come to visit like all my friends that have come to visit are like let's go buy edibles and yeah it's probably not the best thing to start with like you're probably better no. off with other it's ways to you don't know your own tolerance level yeah. because high levels of thc will absolutely cause anxiety panic attacks it, it, it's a very real thing and so many people turn to cbd first and cannabis to manage anxiety that they don't realize they could be making it 10 times worse by just not doing their research ahead of time and jumping in wow. yeah so what kinds of um ways to consume it do you recommend then because i know edibles are probably the most common that people who are yep. inexperienced go to but what would you recommend So I always start my clients, we'll start CBD first and then work our way up to THC if needed. Now, in most cases, THC is needed. That's why we, um, you'll see a lot of products labeled as either full spectrum or broad spectrum. And you might hear the term full spectrum in terms of cannabis. And it basically means the whole plant itself. And so what science tells us is if we extract CBD by itself as an isolate, or if we extract THC by itself as an isolate, it is not nearly as potent or beneficial or bioavailable in the body than if they are all together in a whole plant extract. So that full spectrum has that less than 0.3% THC. Now in certain cases for autoimmune conditions, pain, certain people just straight up need more THC. But starting with CBD is a safe place to start. And for a lot of people, my folks with arthritis, it really is just enough for them. But you start low and go slow no matter what. I like to do the sublingual tincture myself personally. That's what I recommend with my clients because the bioavailability rate is highest. So you've got a 30% bioavailability rate under the tongue. About a 30% if you put it topically on the skin, but THC is not absorbed into the skin, so you'll not feel any psychoactivity with that. Um, And then if you're eating it, again, that bioavailability for an edible is only 6%. uh, But then you run the risk of what happens when it hits your liver. So it's, it's all about understanding the differences and knowing when to recommend them for the right person. 
Wow, that is so interesting. I know nothing. I'm getting very like educated right now. <laughs> yeah, and then how about um, how about smoking it versus um, like the sublingual? Yeah, so in terms of healthcare, a lot of people are anti-smoking, obviously because cancer carcinogens and byproducts from smoking itself. Um, but smoking is a preferred method for a lot of people. It's quick, it's easy, and it's traditional. So it's about a one to three minute onset for smoking, and the duration is about one to three hours, different for everybody. Um, I'm also a proponent of vaping. I know a lot of people got very scared about vaping when we had um, the vaping scare, which was directly tied to the illicit black market, directly tied to prohibition of cannabis, but I'll get off that. <laughs> Vaporizing, if done correctly, can be a safe way. And is a, is a great way for a lot of people because it's discreet, it's convenient, no, you, there's no smell. For moms like me, vaping is a godsend because they don't smell it, it and you can't tell. So, you know, different for everybody. Some people are still scared of vaping and don't even want to think about it. Um, but every option serves a place and it's all about holistic lifestyle you know some person some people might really like smoking some little lady might have asthma and cannot smoke and that's the nice thing about cannabis is we have so many different options we can try different ways to find out what works best for each person okay forgive me for seriously not knowing is there a pill that you can take with thc in it yep Yes, you can absolutely take THC pills, you can take CBD pills. And so really medicinally what is more of a focus is actually the ratio of CBD to THC. So you'll probably see on products, look next time you're in a dispensary, like a one-to-one ratio is equal amount CBD to THC. That's really a preferred, um, especially for pain and starting out, but say here in New York State where you can't have that high of THC, most CBD to THC ratios are like 25 to one. If you're going super high THC, you're going to go 25 to one THC to CBD. THC and CBD work best together. They're synergistic. So that one to one really is great for a lot of people. This is reminding me so much of, you know, what we preach all the time about vitamins is like, sure, take a vitamin, but like, it's better to get it from the whole food. Like there are components, not only that we do know about in, Mm -hmm. in whole foods that work better together, but can we even imagine in 10, 15, 50 years, what we don't even know that's in an apple that we're still learning about and why it affects the body so much differently than basically just grinding down an apple and putting it in a vitamin. Like it's kind of the same thing, right? You know, those components work better together. So that's really interesting. Gosh, you are so well-educated. It has a name. It's called the entourage effect. Um, There's this really fabulous researcher, Dr. Ethan Russo, who talks about the entourage effect and the fact that they work better together. And I actually parallel a lot what happens in the cannabis industry. What with what we've seen in the nutrition industry. I mean, for so long, people farmed their own food, their own backyard garden, and they were happy and well. Mm -hmm. We get into the 70s and 80s, we push the packaged foods, the pre-made, the pre-packaged, think like your CBD gummies, the candies, the, oh my gosh, the garbage out there. And here, really, what we're finding is it's the whole plant, it's the whole food, more the natural form, that's what is best for us. That's so interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Do you feel like as a dietitian, you get a lot of pushback for preaching this, like the whole cannabis or CBD oil issues, or do you feel like it's pretty welcoming? I've been so blown away by how welcoming people have been, Um, but I also really mentally prepared myself before going so public with this. I removed myself from a lot of situations where I thought I could potentially see negative feedback, so 
if it's out there, hope like I'm like in La La Land, blissfully oblivious, like cannabis totally. user happy. Um, but to be honest, people have been so incredibly nice and supportive, and even people I didn't think that would be, which is great. It's been very, very fun. That's amazing. That's mm-hmm. so good, especially in New York too, because I can see like Colorado um, totally being like, oh, awesome, like almost no big deal at this point in Colorado. Here. Yeah, <laughs> people do not care. It was probably like the biggest turning point for me last year. I was asked to actually speak at the New York State Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics annual meeting and expo on cannabis and CBD. And I was so scared. I mean, I can't believe, but like my college professors were there and like I I hid my weed smoking my entire college career, you know, talking about cannabis in front of people. Um, But now that's what I do. And our whole culture of our whole country is changing. People want natural medicine people are into cannabis and people are hungry for actual real evidence-based education aside from like random people making stuff up on the internet right Mm -hmm. yeah and so much fear-mongering right I mean I just feel like there's so much fear-mongering where if you take yourself out of kind of the media messaging like we have no problem with doctors prescribing antibiotic on top of antibiotic on top on of top antibiotic. On top of painkillers. Or the um, painkillers mm-hmm. or benzos, like all of these like pharmaceutical grade, like pharmaceuticals or whatever, where it's like, you have no idea what's in that. You have, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely not naturally occurring. And then we're so afraid of cannabis and this plant that naturally occurs and to basically go through very minimal processing but yet we're all like, okay, yeah, go ahead and take oxy. Like it's just, right. it's so, <laughs> which is so addicting. It's parallel of our healthcare system. Our, totally. our healthcare system is absolutely broken. It couldn't yeah. be more broken at this point. You know it, I know it because we work in it. We see it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but the average person who doesn't work in it doesn't know any better and doesn't know sure. any different and are used to be, being like, well, my doctor told me to take this and this is what I'll do. My doctor told me cannabis is bad and this is what I'll do. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's not necessarily the doctor's fault. They're in between a rock and a hard place right mm-hmm. now. They really can't come out and be like, yeah, I use cannabis because technically they, it's not within their because of the federal illegalization, they really can't. And it's unfortunate because we are hurting ourselves by not equipping our healthcare providers to educate the, the masses. It's going to take years to ripple through the healthcare system. Years. Sure. Well, and we're just in America so like accustomed to the fact that our government creates a problem just to solve it their own way so they can make money off of it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, they love to do that. Like prohibition, you know, I mean, it's, it's literally, they love to create more barriers, not less. So this is really interesting. So I guess um, I wanted to go back to what you just said, Brooke, you mentioned, you mentioned addiction. Mm-hmm. So what is the current research on, can you be addicted to cannabis? And is that, is that real or is that, you know, imagined or is that a certain percentage of people that can get addicted? What does that kind of look like? Yeah, so, I mean, there's research both for and against. And, I mean, you know as well as I know, you can be addicted to anything. It could Mm -hmm. be food. It could be coffee. It could be porn. It could be gambling. It could be cannabis. Um, So I personally really don't think it's necessarily just cannabis. I think people with addictive personalities will find a crutch regardless. Um, But the research is definitely not there that we need. And, of course, because it is 
still a Schedule One drug. All treatment facilities treat it like it is, like, like it's heroin, like it's cocaine. <laughs> right. um, and so I have a lot of people who come to me and say, you know what? I use cannabis every day. I feel great. I take care of all of my responsibilities, but I can't let go of this guilt that I am like a drug addict or I am doing something wrong. And I always tell people, you know what? If you're feeling good. If it doesn't detract from your everyday responsibilities, there's absolutely no reason that you should not feel good about doing something that improves your quality of life. Yeah. Do you, okay. And I was just going to say, um, are there any people that you would specifically tell not to use it? Like um, a lot of our listeners are moms or they mm-hmm. are trying to get pregnant, pregnant or breastfeeding and also driving. Like what are your driving. thoughts on mm-hmm. driving and then yeah. um, pregnant breastfeeding and fertility. Can you kind of touch on those things? It's hard. Like at a personal level, I want to say one thing. And on a professional level, I want to say another thing. On a professional level, there is no research out there to say that it's safe. Mm -hmm. There's none. And so how can I, as a healthcare professional, I can't be like, yeah, I use cannabis when you're pregnant because Mm -hmm. we don't know. Mm-hmm. On a personal level, as a mom, as someone who's been pregnant, I would pick cannabis over Zoloft any day or Zofran or whatever. But if, Ambient. but that's a personal decision, you know, yeah. it, it, I find that people are much more likely to reach for a prescription medication than cannabis because we already know what goes wrong with the prescription medications. We know the worst possible thing that mm-hmm. can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, most people are a-okay with that. Do you ever hear like the commercial prescription medication commercials and it's like you might die and your arm might fall off and like we are so accustomed to that it is so normal for us but at the same time if we don't know like if i if i ever got pregnant again i don't know if i'd use cannabis when i'm pregnant because i don't want to take a chance Mm -hmm. so but if i was really sick if i had horrible morning sickness I might really consider it. It's a really, really slippery slope. It's, I think, you know, it comes down to your personal values. It becomes, you know, and how safe is the cannabis that you can access too? Because I think that that makes a really big difference. If I was growing some in my own backyard, I would treat it a lot differently than if it came off the street from a random stranger. Right. Yeah. And then how about like, do you know how long it stays in your system? For instance, like if you were breastfeeding, um, Mm -hmm. how fast is it out of your system? And then same question that we just covered with CBD. So I'm a little bit more lenient with CBD. Um, It really is, it's hemp oil. It's really, there's, and the World Health Organization says it's safe, not during pregnancy, but safe overall. It does Mm -hmm. not increase heart rate. It does not have any addictive properties. Um, And Honestly, if you're thinking about CBD oil versus a prescription medication, I think CBD oil should be the first line of intervention and then prescription medication second. Um, but a lot of healthcare professionals might not agree. But the fact is, is that we're moms at home making our own decisions and it really is up to you to, you know, do what's right in your heart. It's, you know, pregnancy and, and new motherhood and breastfeeding is a very, very difficult time in life for so many reasons. And if you can find something to make it better or easier for you, um, I mean, I'm all about the health of a mom first. I think that that's really, really important. Yeah, I find that interesting, you know, just that 
the issues that some people come across in pregnancy, like we even hear this with just strictly nutrition, you know, what you're consuming. Moms will mm-hmm. not eat breakfast because they're like, well, all I want is carbs or all I want is, you know, heavy like pancakes and waffles. This is like what Brooke and I <laughs> wanted yeah. when we were first pregnant. And then if your choices are between eating something like that, you're kind of afraid of eating and you feel like is a quote unquote bad food versus throwing up whatever you think is a good food and not being able to grow and sustain that baby. Like you need to constantly be risk, like risking out those like cost benefits to you and how it will make your body feel. And like, so what, like let go of that fear, let go of that, like angst over the carbs or whatever is what we preach as far as intuitive eating. And I would think same thing, kind of what you're saying about CBD oil and cannabis. It's like, you need to whatever your current situation is, if you're in the midst of like postpartum depression, you guys like don't, how can I say this without making a a recommendation? Like as a healthcare professional, like you're saying, you know, know, it's like you need to prioritize yourself and your mental health before you prioritize breastfeeding. I am a huge proponent of breastfeeding, but if it's leading you to a a postpartum depression, deep, dark hole, Mm -hmm. and the only thing that's helping you is cannabis or CBD oil or whatever that might be, like you need to discuss that with your healthcare provider and your dietitian. But like, absolutely, we need to prioritize these things that have been made to be afraid of in our community and our society, like you need to do what's best for you, you know, at the very least. So I would, I would guess, yeah, I would guess that you're not recommending to start like a a cannabis or CBD oil regimen for the first time while you're pregnant. Definitely. Right. Like you'd want to know. Okay. Yeah. That's what I figured. Um, There's a lot of interesting research though out about cannabinoids and breastfeeding and how our bodies actually make THC that's passed through breast milk to our children. So, and I always tell people, you know, our bodies have an endocannabinoid system. It knows how to deal with cannabis. It is made to deal with cannabis. Our bodies don't have a Zofran system. Our bodies Mm -hmm. don't have, you know, it's, I trust that my body um, interacts with nature the same way it does with plant-based foods. And I personally feel a little bit more comfort in a plant than um, a pharmaceutical, but I I mean, that's different for everybody too. Sure. Yeah. And then um, I wanted to kind of dive into um, cancer and Mm -hmm. maybe like seizures or arthritis. Um, But what are like, what's the research that you found with um, THC and CBD um, for helping those either the actual like tumor shrink or the mm-hmm. symptoms of cancer or what have you kind of found is like the big, um, takeaways for people who are suffering from cancer or something similar. So it breaks my heart that in 2020, we don't have better answers for people who have cancer. Um, Mm -hmm. because we know, and most medical marijuana programs allow cancer to be a qualifying condition for a medical marijuana card. What we know scientifically is that cannabis can help with the symptoms of treatment. So chemotherapy, side effects, nausea, things like that. We don't know what cannabis does in terms of cancer, fighting tumors, fighting cancer cells, because our government won't study it, won't allow us to study it. Now, what's most interesting is anecdotally, I see people curing their cancer every single day with cannabis but wow that's only anecdotal evidence it's it's it breaks my heart that anyone would have to be in in a situation like that and and choose between what does our government say and what is working for real life people and what is actually curing people um 
And it's different for everybody. I mean, there's different, very different levels of cancer. It really depends on where you're at. And some people will do traditional treatment along with cannabis treatment for the best of both worlds. But there's a lot of people who say, you know, I don't want to go through the side effects of chemo and radiation if I only have six months left. I'm going to do cannabis first. And those are the ones who are seeing the biggest results and the most miraculous stories. But again, that's all anecdotal. We're not studying these people. We're not following them as case studies. It really is um, interesting because um, people with cancer can very easily find these groups of people online with Facebook these days. I'm in the groups because I stalk. I need to see what these people are talking about. Um, And it's insane. People technically really don't need to go with the advice of their healthcare professional if they don't want to. And a lot of people are choosing not to. The we're, we're all going to die. I always tell people that, you know, it's all going to be our time and it, it should be your choice to decide how you want to go through your treatment. Um, but I really wish that we had better answers for people. And it really bothers me because um, the United States government holds the patent for cannabinoids in the use of healthcare, And so I just don't understand how the government can let people die every day when they hold the patent to know that cannabis is something very powerful to be used in healthcare, and we are, we're not even exploring as an option right now, not, not to my knowledge. Now, are they doing it behind the scenes? I don't know. A lot of people in the cancer communities truly believe that this is all a big pharma type thing. A lot of people absolutely believe that THC is the antidote to cancer and that because big pharma is the way it is, that the U.S. government prevents us from having access to these treatments because of money. Do I agree? Maybe a little bit. Do I have the answers? No, I don't. But do I do I hope that I'm never in that situation to make that decision? I really do. Um, but definitely I something really know to what explore. To it. Yeah, it's something yeah. to explore. Um, and it's your right to explore. To be honest, it's your right to explore. No one has to go through conventional treatment. Or if you want to do both, how do both? Um, mm-hmm. But I do believe in being extremely transparent with your doctor, with your physician at every step of the way. And if you have a doctor who is not supportive of your cannabis use, then I would find a new doctor. I think we forget that healthcare is still a business. You are still the mm-hmm. consumer. And it is your right to have a healthcare provider who will work with you, not against you. Do you find that um, most doctors that are going to be like willing and accepting of patients using cannabis are oncologists, though, versus like... Like, I don't know, somebody who has an autoimmune disease, like a gastroenterologist or a pulmonologist, do you think that oncologists are a little more likely to just be on board with I it? I think and because they it? see it every day yeah. and because they're asked about it every mm-hmm. day by their patients. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, you can have one oncologist who's like cannabis all day, every day. You can still have an oncologist who says absolutely not no cannabis. You know, it, it does. But they're the ones who are getting asked about it every day. And they're the ones whose people's hands, their, their lives are in their hands. And they really need to make really educated and safe decisions for their patients. Yeah. And, and then, oh, sorry. I was going to say just my friend that has been using cannabis um, with cancer. 
she has decided to not do any chemo or anything like that. And so far, I mean, her scans have been looking really positive for like what a dismal diagnosis they gave her and the timeline they gave her. And she's been literally just treating it with nutrition and cannabis and saunas and like literally anything you can do, she's doing 110%. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool to see that there is some positive results coming from that. Um, not to say you can't get positive results from chemo because I know there's specific types of cancers that um, people respond very well to chemo and it's very treatable. So it's like, I think every cancer is very different, but in her particular case so far, um, it has been looking good with what she's been doing. So I think it's it's definitely Incredible. worth looking into, you know, with a cancer and I mean, diagnosis. We live in America. She deserves to have that choice. She yeah. should have that choice without feeling guilty about it, without mm-hmm. feeling, oh, I should have done the conventional treatment. Both options are equally as viable. They should both be on the table, maybe even together, but we should have the choice to decide what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, she lives in a state where it's not legal. So mm. she's having to kind of tra- awesome. travel back and forth. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've had to get get it to her. Um, yep. But I'm just happy that, you know, for her so far, it has been working and showing yeah, I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy for her. That's, I mean, but I hear stories like that every day, you know, sure. as a healthcare professional, I can't go out there and be like, yeah, I know all these people who cure their cancer with cannabis, but I see it. I see it every day. Mm-hmm. Well, in those anecdotal research, I know that, you know, all of us being dietitians, we were taught very carefully in school to like, anecdotal is nothing. Like we need actual research and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, our research is still very skewed. You know, who's yeah. who's Absolutely. funding it? <laughs> who's like peer reviewing yeah. it? Who's in charge <laughs> exactly. of it? Who does this benefit? Like there's still so much research out there. Like we all think the research, like double blind studies are end all be all. No, there's a lot of, you know... <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of behind the closed doors, people pushing for it or funding even the research Uh saying that there's no strings attached when really there are. And so anecdotal is really where it starts, right? We get enough anecdotal experiments and and stuff and stories going that we're like, okay, there's something to this. We need to start this research. So so I would Mm -hmm. definitely, you know, encourage anyone who's listening who has had these stories to share. You know, I think there is a big stigma around using marijuana to, for treatment or even recreationally that like maybe the stigma is keeping us from really getting some good research studies going and started. Um, what would you say, you know, I know that there are people out there who might be dealing with a, um, maybe an, an inflammatory issue or, uh, what is it called? Autoimmune, autoimmune diseases (laughs) that, um, my mom brain coming through, um, autoimmune diseases that maybe don't like the feeling of being high, or maybe they're afraid Mm -hmm. of it. So kind of using, like you said, the best, typically the best case scenario is using the CBD and THC together. But what about for those people that are afraid of that high feeling? So CBD is honestly, that's why it's gained so much popularity in these days is because you can use CBD without the high feeling. Mm-hmm. There are so many people who don't want the high feeling and that is absolutely okay. And that's the beauty of, you know, these technologies that we have where we can make a CBD oil or a THC oil. It's nice that we have these options on the market because a lot of people don't like being high and that's absolutely okay. They don't have to be. Right. Okay. So let's maybe branch into the CBD oil. So what do you look for? I know I noticed that you sell CBD oil, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yes, I do. Okay, so what would you recommend people looking for for like a credible CBD oil like on the internet or something mm-hmm. like that? Or like in the grocery store, we see it like kombucha infused with CBD or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like what what do you recommend people look for for like a, a good CBD oil that actually is going to help you with pain or management of anxiety or something like so that? I actually came up with this acronym to make it super easy for people that they can use for any CBD product on the market. So it's called Emily Kyle's Four Step Real Method, R-E. E-A-L. So R stands for raw material. So first off, you want to know where that hemp was sourced. Um, nobody should be having any hemp from China or overseas. We have okay. amazing hemp farms here in the United States um, with the passage of the farm bill. But the thing is about hemp and cannabis is that it's a bioaccumulator. So it will absorb any kind of nastiness in the ground, whether it be heavy metals, toxins, pesticides. So you really want to ensure that it was grown at a great farm, great soil, no pesticides, and ideally as close to home as possible. So that's R for raw material. E is going to be extraction method. So how are they getting that CBD from that plant into that bottle? So there are a lot of different extraction methods and the more old school are not necessarily the greatest. So ethanol extraction is probably the most traditional, which involves using alcohol to separate the cannabinoids from the plant material. Um, But it leaves behind toxic residues, um, butane, the same thing. So right now, the current, like, gold standard is called supercritical CO2 extraction, does not leave behind any kind of residues or solvents, so it's really the preferred method. And then A would be additive ingredients, the dietitian coming out me, I don't want to see any food dyes or added sugars or anything weird like that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they really, the only thing that should be in a CBD oil is a carrier oil, MCT coconut oil, hemp seed oil, one of the above. And then last is going to be lab testing, L for lab testing or third-party analysis. So because there are no regulations on CBD, there's no oversight. Literally, I could pee in a bottle and call it CBD and sell it. So you have to make sure that a third-party lab has verified, A, what's in the bottle. So you want a cannabinoid profile. You can also go further and get heavy metal testing. You can get organic testing, terpene profiles. Um, But if a company does not have that readily available, easily accessed, I would skip on and find to the next one because without that, you have no clue what's in the bottle. Okay, great. Wow, that really felt like I set you up for that, but you yeah. had an awesome answer to that question. So we should just get it from your site, yeah, is exactly. what you're saying, because it's reputable. Why I ended up getting my own product is because I was sick of like, yeah. I was like, I just need one thing that I know is safe. I actually went to Colorado and saw the entire thing and how they made it from oh, from cool. hemp to oil, um, and it was amazing, and I just needed something that I felt 100% I could stand behind. Awesome. I love that. Well, we'll link that below yeah, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. As well as buy it. Yeah, for sure. I've been really wanting to try CBD oil, but I am currently breastfeeding and yeah, I don't here. I don't have anything that's like triggering where I'm like, "Oh, I need something." You know, I'm not using any anti-anxiety or I don't have any autoimmune disease disorders or anything like that. So, but with my son previously, my 4-year-old now, I had anxiety postpartum. And I have that. <laughs> yeah, to- well, I mean, for good reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. But now this pregnancy, I haven't really experienced that much. Okay. And so, Yay. yeah, which is crazy and not what people will tell you. They'll say it'll just get worse with every kid. And my experience has been the opposite. So, um, so I don't have 
have anything necessarily pushing me, but if I did, I would definitely try CBD oil. But, um, definitely once I stop breastfeeding, I'll probably try it. And I, I'd be really interested. There's like bath, bath bombs and stuff that I think look really oh, cool so and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And massages. Yes. Massage oil. I make this like CBD chapstick that I'm obsessed with. I mean, you can oh, put cool. it in everything. Yeah, exactly. So that I'm really intrigued by, but, um, mm-hmm. so let me ask you this. So is there definitely and maybe, maybe we've kind of already answered this, but are there definitely certain diagnoses or issues that people are struggling with that you would recommend THC or CBD? Or are you kind of like the fan of, I think everyone could benefit from this in their life? So A first starts with what does the patient want? Is the okay. patient interested? Are they interested? And that's where I always start with, uh, do, do you want to talk about cannabis during our sessions? Because I'm still a dietitian. If you don't want to talk about cannabis, we don't have to talk about cannabis at all. Sure. Most people want to, and most yeah. people will just want to start with CBD first and then kind of work their way up and get comfortable with it, mm-hmm. um, which is totally fine. But it's all based on you. It, in the same with nutrition, meeting the person where they're at and guiding them to where they need to be. And I think that's really cool because you've definitely opened that floodgate of be, having that transparency where people are probably seeking you out because they're probably either already using cannabis or, or CBD oil or they're interested and they know that you're going to create like a judgment-free zone for them to share that and give them the resources to do it and do it right, you know? A lot that's of people cool. have tried to talk about it with their doctor and been shamed or shut down. So I really try and be that really compassionate, empathetic place where people can come and um, just share their really true desires without feeling ashamed for it. Yeah. And it's so funny, you know, that's like the shame factor. Brooke and I talk about this all the time, but it's just so frustrating to see so many people afraid to talk to their healthcare providers or their dietitians about certain things, not even just cannabis, just food, just food. I mean, literally I was at the pediatrician the other day and she was asking my four-year-old questions and she was phrasing the questions in a very judgmental and shameful way that I was really unhappy with. She was like, Mm -hmm. and you're not having juice every day, right? To my four-year-old. And I just want to be like, first of all, now if he is like, let's say he is having juice every day, he's not like, you're almost forcing him to lie, you know, like, and you're not doing that right because of our teeth or whatever. And I was like, uh, actually we have juice in the car right now. So, you know, it's like, exactly. And it's just the way that you're even, oh my gosh, screen time. Don't even get me started on the shame and judgment of screen time right now. I'm not there yet. He's only one. I haven't had that Uh, talk yet. It's the worst. And we're not doing more than 10 or 15 minutes of screen time. Okay, back off, lady. How old are your kids? And do you know how many kids I have? Time is my only time alone during the day. Exactly. I have a newborn at home. Are you kidding me? Of course, he's watching TV. Yes, absolutely. It's it's educational. Yeah, totally. Uh Uh-huh. Daniel Tiger all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, well, is there anything else that you kind of want to touch on while we have this kind of going? Or did we kind of cover it? I think we covered it all. This was like a super fun like way to kind of cover all the things. I think we got it all. Awesome. Well, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you? Um, we found you on Instagram. Um, that, I mean, that's our favorite place to hang out. So let us know where we can find you on Instagram and maybe your website and definitely where we can shop that CBD oil and we'll mm-hmm. drop the links to everything below oh, as the well. Best. Thank you. So I do, I'm on Instagram. That's my place at Emily Kyle Nutrition. And then my website is www.emilykylenutrition.com, which you can find my shop or a link to book an appointment or all my just cannabis resources. I've got a lot of freebies out there to help people. 
That's awesome. Thank you so much for doing this work. And thanks for coming on the podcast and chatting about it and being so transparent and just kind of opening the floodgates for people to learn more. And if they're interested, have a place to go and learn. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for giving me the platform to do it because people who have never been exposed to cannabis are going to hear this and hopefully have their minds changed in a really positive way. So having me on, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, It's cool to spread the message, um, starting with like dietitians and hopefully the message will get, you know, louder for other healthcare professionals. Right. And it's so, it's so important. Let me just interject this in here to work with someone who specializes in this area as like a dietitian. You know, so many times I feel like because I'm a dietitian, people think I know everything about nutrition. Mm -hmm. And while on a surface level, I know generally a lot, there are places where I specialize and where I thrive and what I'm interested in. But this is a whole area. I'm sure you can tell by listening to the episode. I don't know anything. (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. I just don't know. And it's not because I'm not interested or it's not because I don't you know, believe in it or support it, but it's literally, I can't specialize in everything just like you can't specialize in everything. So definitely so, Mm -hmm. so important to talk to someone who knows what they're talking about. I mean, I am blown away by your education and and knowledge level in this episode. So it's, it's really incredible. And I know as dietitians, we tend to like really delve into the research and stuff and it's just really awesome and so credible to hear someone speak with it with such eloquent, you know, behaviors and, and conversationally because, so many people, I think, especially with weed, there's like a big stigma in a way that people talk about it where it's like not very educational based, you know, but it, um, I love to learn all that from you. I had no idea. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for coming on. It was so great to meet you. Had a and great time. Thank yeah, you. We'll have to have you on again one day too. So um, I love it. Awesome. We'll I will love to. All right. Thank you so much, Emily. You take care. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. 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 All right. Hey, guys. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. This was seriously one of our favorite episodes. We learned so much, and she was just so knowledgeable, and I hope you um, got a lot out of it. So I just wanted to wrap it up here and remind you of a few things. So first, we still have our giveaway going on until we hit 100 reviews on iTunes. Um, That giveaway is still open. So make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave a written review. And you can do that by just going to our page on iTunes, scrolling all the way down, and then you click on the thing. I think it says like write a review, um, leave a written review. And then if you share about our podcast on your social media and tag us at diet.riot.podcast, you'll get an extra entry to that giveaway as well. And we're giving away a copy of the intuitive eating book, the health at every size book, a $25 gift card to Amazon, um, diet riot merch and fit snacks snacks. So definitely check out that giveaway. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. And then, um, Another thing on our Instagram, we actually have a link to sign up for our email list. So if you're interested in learning more about what we're offering outside of our podcast, maybe getting some bonus content and also knowing when our first course, yes, our intuitive eating course is dropping soon. And if you want to know when, go ahead and sign up for our email list. So find us on Instagram at diet.riot.podcast. Click on the link in our bio and it will sign you up for our email list there. And thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next Tuesday. Bye.
weed just weed just (laughs) straight up weed Mm -hmm. all the weed we should come up with all the names of weed i bet you know probably more than i do yeah weed cannabis ganja that's those are the only ones i know the ganja what's the toke it up toke (laughs) (laughs) we're children sorry (laughs) 